Amen. Awesome. Keep clapping. Hey, let's give glory where glory is due. Hey, why'd you sit down? I didn't say sit down. Stand back up. Yeah, you right there with the glasses and the vest. Yep, thank you. It was, you were following your wife's lead. That's good. Next year, be at the marriage event. Okay. Let's give honor and glory where glory is due, and that's the King of Kings and Lords of Lords. Can we do that right now? And also, I want to thank God for your senior pastors. So grateful for Derek and Stacy. Let's give them honor as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the supernatural revival you are going to bring to this house that's going to spread all over the Boston area in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. Take your seat, except for the guy that said early. Wait five seconds. No. <laughs> if you got a copy of God's word, it's because you're going to heaven when you die. Turn to Mark chapter 6. And I just want to ask you a couple of questions real quickly. And that is this. Um, do you remember the day that you were wowed by God? Do you remember the day that you like were just realized that he was your savior, he's your redeemer, your boss, and you submitted yourself to him? March 1981, I was nine years old when I prayed to receive Christ, and, and, and I was wowed by God, which led me into a moment of learning to worship him. Because once you're wowed by God, then you begin to worship him recognize his worth not just singing but I mean in the way you live your life and then the next step for me was witness and I on just right after that I don't know what day of the week in school my best friend fourth grade was Jamie Wright I invited him to church I mean it's just a, the overflow when you're wowed and you're worshiping you can't wait to tell somebody amen so I then witnessed and as I witnessed he came and that Sunday that following Sunday after I prayed to save Christ Jamie got saved and then I just, it just spurred into then, I was realized this is my work. This is my job. It's, we we got to take square footage from the enemy and take it for the kingdom. And that's why God left me here and saved me. So I was wowed and then I was began to worship and then I witnessed and then I was working for him and I, and I, nothing's changed since. I hadn't been perfect, but nothing's changed since. I want to ask you a quick question. When did you stop being wowed by God? When did you stop worshiping? When is the last time, don't answer out loud, when's the last time you've personally witnessed and led someone to Christ, which is our job? When's the last time you said, you know what, I'm up, I'm ready to work, to take kingdom ground? Why do we live on this roller coaster ride of what we might call a Christian life or as a disciple of Christ? Why do we do that? Well, you stop being wowed. You stop worshiping. You stop witnessing. And you definitely stop working. What's crazy is this. We would say that Jesus Christ died for us and that all of him, his spirit, lives inside of us upon salvation. If you agree that Jesus Christ, through the person of the Holy Spirit, upon salvation, repentance, lives inside of us. All of God lives inside of us on salvation. Raise your hand. Okay, that's the majority of us. All of God lives in us. So that means if God lives in us, we should continue to be wowed. We should continue to worship. Nod your head if you agree. We should witness about him. I mean, if God lives in you, you're going to tell somebody, right? I guarantee you if the Patriots had won, you would have told somebody. But I guarantee if you got a Philly friend, they're telling you right now, right? You would tell somebody. I mean, if, gee, if all of God lived in you, you'd be working for him. Amen? What happened? Let me ask you another question. 
How many of you believe that God created the world? I want you to raise your hand if you believe any of these questions. God created the world. How many of you believe that he's written the scripture inspired, inerrant, perfect, flawless word of God? It's written by God. Raise your hand if you believe that. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin? How many of you believe he's a sinless, spotless lamb? How many of you believe he died on the cross, rose again three days later? How many of you believe Jesus Christ is coming back to get us? Did you just listen to what you raised your hand to? Crazy stuff. <laughs> I mean, crazy, huge, deep theology and doctrine. And not only that, God says that he holds 340 quintillion gallons of water in the palm of his hand. He measures the universe like this, the breadth of his hand, which is the end of his pinky to the end of his thumb. He measures it. I mean, this is his Hubble telescope, except it goes all the way to infinitum. He lives in you. How can you have such a great big God of theology, of doctrine, of creation, and have such a midget God of day-to-day -day living? Why do you believe all this big stuff and it has impacted no one around you? Why do you still live in addiction? Why do you still say, I've got to have that smoke, have that dip, have that curse word, have that drink, when you know that God Almighty lives in you? What happened? You're not wowed anymore. You're not worshiping anymore. You're not witnessing anymore. You're definitely not working. I want to tell you, I, I believe I can share with you how you can get back on track where you need to be wowed again. But you can be. Working. Worshiping. Understanding your witness for the cause of Christ. Because I believe with all my heart, if you choose not to, there's detrimental consequences. I want you to look at Mark chapter 6. The text is beautiful. In context, it's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Look at verse number 47. I'm reading out the Nevis. It's later that night. The boat was in the middle of the lake. Hit pause. Here's what it is. Jesus just fed the 5,000. How many of you know the story of the feeding of the 5,000? Raise your hand. Okay, we know it. Many of us know it. Jesus took two fish, five loaves of bread, and fed 5,000 men women and children, 14 to 20,000 people. Then he had 12 33-gallon buckets, approximately 33-gallon trash cans left over. What's crazy about that story is this. Jesus could have fed the 5,000. He didn't need the two fish and five chips, did he? How many believe that? He could have dropped it out of the sky. How many believe he could have created Long John Silver's on the spot? <laughs> if you believe it, raise your hand. Let's go full faith here. Yes, number six combos with a little poppy greasy stuff. Yes. In the little basket trays that everyone knows there's a chance we're going to have a coronary. We eat it anyway. He could have created Long John Silver, so had the sign, whatever. But he was waiting on someone to believe. He was waiting on someone, if you will, to move. I truly believe if the young boy had not moved, if the young boy had not submitted and said, here you go, I'm not sure they would have been fed that day. He was waiting on someone to move. Jesus then, instead of signing autographs and, and taking time to, to get his Twitter hashtagged everybody, he said, hey, guys, go. They went to where they hung out, which is the lake, and he was in the mountainside. And it says the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. That's Jesus. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because a storm had come. Isn't it amazing that just a few hours later, they watched the miraculous power of God, and they're already operating in the flesh. 
What's crazy is we'll watch the unbelievable power of God in a service like this walk out the door and start operating in the flesh because someone pulled out in front of us. Or our wife or our husband made us mad. Or our kids spilt their drink in the back. So isn't it amazing how fast we get right back into the flesh? It says they were straining at the oars. And Jesus, I love this, and I, I really believe there's a Hulu channel in heaven. We're going to be able to watch this. I'm going to ask to at least. And it says this, shortly before dawn. They're still out there straining. It says, shortly before dawn. And I want them to throw this passage up on the screen. He went out to them, walking on the lake. And then this is the piece that I think is so powerful. Go to the next verse. I saw the disciples straining at the, uh, at the oars. And it says this. He was walking to them on water, which is going to be so awesome to see. It says this. Look at this. This is what wrecked me. He was about to pass them by. Here's what I believe with all my heart. If you don't move toward God in his direction when he gives you the opportunity, he's going to walk on past you. Now, I'm not saying you're losing your salvation. You're not going to heaven. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this. You're going to live your life without the favor, blessing, and the touch of God to change your world. He was about to pass them by. I don't want God passing me by. I don't want him passing by my life, by my marriage, by my kids, by my influence. And, and, and here's the thing. If they didn't cry out, he was going to walk right past them and find somebody else's boat that's ready to receive his favor, anointing, blessing, and revival. Can I ask you a question? Maybe the reason you're not wowed, worshiping, witnessing, working for him, because he's passed you by. Here's the beauty of it. If today you move, God's going to move towards you. These men moved. Matter of fact, they thought he was a ghost. And I can just tell you this. When God's doing something brand new, like starting a campus in Framingham, let me tell you something. It's going to look fearful. You're not sure how it's all going to work out. Guess what? You can let God walk by and someone else start that campus, or you can move toward him and let him start it in Jesus' name. I got two people clapping. I'd all clap to that if I was you. Because I believe with all my heart. Connect when you move, God moves. I believe with all my heart. They moved. God went to the boat and saved them. Has he passed you by? Now, I know what some of you are saying. You're like, hey, dude, with a girl's name. <laughs> I know what you're saying. You're like, I don't agree with that. I believe your exegesis is a little bit uh, distorted. I believe that uh, I would do better at the homiletics of this text. Well, let me just break it down for you from the scripture. Let's support the fact that if you don't move, God doesn't move. James chapter 4 says this, when you draw near to God, oh, come on, I wouldn't answer either because you're going to mess up your mad at me moment. <laughs> when you draw near to God, God draws near to you. You move, say this, say God moves. When you move, Come on. I came from Arkansas. Can you just help a brother out here? When you move, God moves. God moves. And this guy over here has no idea what's going on. He's excited, though, and I like that. 
And in case you didn't get that text, it's James chapter 4 and verse number 8. When you move, God moves. What about Exodus chapter 3, the story of the burning bush? I, I want that on Hulu too, don't you? I want to see it. Here, here's the reality. He sees the bush and it's burning yet not being consumed. And we know what transpires. God speaks to him and says, take your shoes off. You're standing on. See, most of us know that. You're standing on holy ground. Actually, God didn't say anything until he moved. Look, look at the text. This wasn't on your flannel graph growing up. Here, here's the text. It says, Moses saw that the bush was on fire, yet it did not burn up. So Moses thought, Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And check this out. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, you move. When he moved, then God moved. He was just waiting on him to move. He's waiting. You don't need to pray about this, church. You just need to move. You don't need to pray for a witness moment. You need to go do witnessing. You need to live it out. God is waiting on you to move. And when Moses moved, God moved on his behalf. The Lord saw that he'd gone over. And then God says, listen, when you do something, God says, I'll do something. He's waiting on you to move. Quit praying for God to show up in your life. Start doing what you already know is true and God will show up in your life. People are like, oh, man, I just need God, and I just want that. Listen, it doesn't just happen because you hope it'll happen. How do you think uh, Pastor Derek got those shoulders? Because he takes hydroxycut. That's how. <laughs> those pills work, bless God. And I've been popping them with him. No, I, I haven't had the same results. No, you know how he got those shoulders? He didn't pray for them. He worked for them. We're praying and asking God to show up. He's already there. He lives in you. He's waiting on you to move. What are you waiting on? Now, some of you are still struggling with this text. I'm going to give you a few more examples. I got 58. But I'm only going to use five. Let me just give you some examples. Marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, read the entire text, but if you specifically talk about uh, verses 24 through 27 and, and really dive in 26 and 27, it says this. I love what the scripture says. It says, husband, love your wives just as Christ loved. Then it says, because you do that, because you move, then God says he's going to present her as a radiant church, as a radiant, holy, beautiful bride. You move. And it says this, it says, men, husbands, you are to wash her with the word. It's spiritual bathing. I'm not saying you're in a bathtub, not a bad idea, but I am saying <laughs> it's spiritual bathing. He's waiting on you. You don't pray that you're hoping someone lead. Wash her with the word of God. You are responsible. And when you move, God moves in your marriage. He's waiting on you, and so is your wife. <laughs> Spiritual leadership is the sexiest thing on planet Earth. You can laugh all you want. God made this deal, and he says it is. It's sexy. It's hot. Lead her spiritually. It's a turn on. 
just lean over to your husband and say, hello, pastor. Just tell him that. That's hot. <laughs> hello, pastor. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's awesome. I've lost train of thought. The, the, but the marriage, <laughs> marriage. And how about those of you that want to be married? Here's what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 20. It says this, he who finds a wife finds what is good. Here's the thing. You've been praying for a wife. Go find one. <laughs> I'll read the verse again. He who finds a wife finds what is good. When you move, God moves. Go find a wife. Here's what you need to do. Get out of your grandma's basement. Xbox 360 Gold Elite is not cool. Take a shower. Use clean underwear when you go out. Brush your teeth. Trim that nasty beard. Those are not cool. Trim it. Brush your teeth. Have I said that yet? Listen, if you'll get focused on the purpose of God, you'll find the person of God. And I'm just saying, quit praying for her. Go find her. Because when you find her, you find what is good. And when you move, God moves. I mean, I have people like, yeah, I'm just praying for the right woman. Well, what are you doing to find her? Go find her. And when I found her, I chased her down. Matter of fact, I called her dad. I did. After a year of knowing her, I was like, hi, this is Shannon. He's like, who's she? No. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I, I just real interested in your daughter, and man, I think she's great. I'm not ready for marriage. I'm just 19, but I just want you to know, and I want to honor you. I mean, what dad wouldn't be like, hallelujah, I love you. He said, well, let me pray about it. Pray about what? He called me back and said no. And I was like, you're going to hell. That was after I hung up, of course. And a year later, which I thought feelings were all gone, God just had to prepare me. When I moved in faith, I didn't get the answer I wanted. I got God. And he drew me to the ministry. I, I received a call to ministry. Why? Because I didn't make dating my God or my priority. I made God the priority. In the wisdom of her father, a year later, I'm called to full-time ministry. I call him back, and I say, it's me again. <laughs> he said, yes, the rest is history. But guess what? It wouldn't have happened unless I moved. Why are you praying for something God's waiting on you to move? Go find her. And definitely quit playing Xbox, you loser. Get a job. I really feel like I need to preach that more, but I'm done. Mary, here's another place where you move. The church. The church. These people are moving right out of the service. It's like God's moving. I left. The church. When you move, God moves in the church. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 20 says this, where two or three are gathered in my name. Oh, somebody start preaching right now. It says, there I move. The, the uh, understanding is I'm moving to their midst, in the middle of them. You can say, oh, I don't have to go to church. I can do it on my own. No, you can't. The scripture says this. I move when two or three intentionally say, I want to be a local church ready to do great things for the cause of Christ. Then Jesus moves in the middle of our midst. He's here right now. And he wants to respond. He wants to move. He wants to show up and do great things in this church. 
in this church. And not only that, when you move in the meeting, he doesn't want you just to sit there. He wants you to do stuff. He has saved you to do work, and he's given you a gift. And now you need to use that gift in this local church. You don't need to just be sitting on your hell-damaged butt cheeks. You need to be working. You look like somebody shot them with a slingshot. Get off of them and get to work. You're like, I'm not called to kids. Go serve them. Go serve the next generation. I don't know who that parking lot gentleman out there is. I would have joined the church just seeing him out in the rain, serving and smiling and willing to pray for me as I came in this morning. You need to serve the church. You're not called to just sit here. You're called to serve it. You need to be a part of it. You need to be a set-up, tear-down guy in Framingham. You need to be a part of the kids' area. You need to be in 508. You need to be cleaning. You need to be doing something to say, I want, God, you to move in my midst because you've given me a gift, and I want to serve your church because you bled and died for it. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church. And I'm just going to say this free of charge. You are a part of something rare. I'm not blowing smoke up anybody's skirt. I want you to hear me with all your heart. I get the privilege of being in church after church and to have leaders like you have, and I'm speaking specifically of Derek and Stacy. I, I would join this church just because I've been around their kids. I mean, seeing Devin's passion, I mean, just crazy wild passion, and he's got a great beard, and I'm jealous. I grow seven continents. I can't get nothing to connect. I don't know Morgan as well, but I love Mallory. I love their spirit. I love what Wilkes is doing. I love seeing their marriage. I love what God's doing. I would join this church. That does, listen, the reason most churches don't have marriage events is because their marriage, pastor's marriage, is in hell. I'm, tell, I'm with them, hundreds of them. You're so blessed. Invest in what I believe is going to be the Boston area revival that's going to start right here in Connect Church. Serve it. You want to be a part of it. You say, oh, I remember we started our second campus before you started your 20th and took over this whole New England region in Jesus' name. You have the capacity of leadership to do this. Few places do. Serve it. Get a part because when you move, let me give you another example. Not just marriage, not just a church, but how about praise? How about praise? Listen, when you praise and worship, not just through song, but in every way, God says this, that I, you are rolling out the red carpet for my presence, and I move in your midst. As a matter of fact, a great example in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 22, you can hear the story, read the story of Jehoshaphat. They put down their swords. He said, you're going to win this battle, and here's how. I'm setting up ambushes of praise. Listen, if you want to defeat the enemy in your life, start praising the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Start praising him. You're like, I can't sing good. I, I, I can't sing at all right now. I mean, I couldn't sing one lick of one of these songs, but I was praising God every other way I possibly could. You need to praise because when you do, God's spirit moves in and changes life. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, the entire prison was set free after they began to praise. You start praising, prisoners get freed. And I know what some of you are saying. is like, well, Shannon, I just don't really like the music. I come in when it's over because it's just, why is it so loud? And that bass just rattles my chest. Oh, and I don't know the words. Can I tell you something real quick? The songs we sing in here are not for you. They're for Jesus. We sing them to Jesus. 
Sing it out. You're like, oh, I just kind of do like, no, lift your hand. God says when you lift, when you clap, when you shout, he moves on your behalf, in your midst. He's waiting on you to move. Sing it anyway. You'll sing Blake Shelton or Frank Sinatra or you'll sing whatever. I'm telling you, when you sing about Jesus and give him the glory, he moves in your midst. What's crazy is this. Every one of you sing happy birthday, haven't you? How many of you have ever sing the song, happy, happy birthday, to the rest of you are liars? <laughs> Revelation 20, say liars go to hell. Let me ask you again. <laughs> it's in the Bible. How many of you have ever sing the song, happy birthday? There we go. Even got the guy almost that sat down early. <laughs> What's crazy is this. Did you know that the author of the song, happy birthday, was actually one of the original founders of the Church of Satan in North America? Actually, I'm lying. That's not even true. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know the song. You sing happy birthday. You don't even know who wrote it. Why do we sing happy birthday? The song's not for you. It's for little Johnny. We sing happy birthday to you. We give him a bunch of crap he's going to throw away. But when you sing, whatever the song is up on these screens, you're singing to someone who is worthy, majestic of the praise, regardless if you like the song or not. Bring the praise, and he shows up because when you move, and I'm telling you, put your hands together when you do it. Lift your hands, shout out, clap. God responds when you praise. Let me just tell you something. If you are defeated in depression, start praising more, and I promise you God's going to set you free. He's waiting. Oh, someone started clapping. It's getting crazy in here. God responds to it. He says he responds to it. He's waiting on you and not only praise, he responds, number four, with prayer. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. There's a four-letter word after that, and it says this. You know what the four-letter word is? Then. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then when you move, God moves. You're waiting on God to do all this stuff and bring revival in America, and he's waiting on his church to be revived. All you got to do is move. When you start praying, then he says, then, then you will hear from heaven. Then I will show up in their midst. And not only in their midst, it says this, then I will heal your territory. How many of you know somebody needs to be healed? I'm not saying of cancer necessarily. Could be that. Healed of depression, darkness. Healed in their uh, uh, wayward, rebellious child. How many of you know somebody that's battling that? If you start praying, God responds. When you move. But you got to pray. James chapter 5 tells us how to be healed in the local church. It says, go to the elders, which, by the way, you're not going to have elders if you're not committed to local church. People are like, oh, I can go wherever I want. Don't have to be a member. That's bull crap. And some of you are more offended. I just said bull crap than someone next to you and your next door neighbor is going to hell because you hadn't shared. I'm just saying, the reason you're a part of a local church is because the elders come, and then it says they pray over you, they anoint you with oil, you confess, and you're healed, Right? That's what it says. And so you take that anointing oil. The last I used, I bought at Sam's. I poured it in a cool little jar and made it look real spiritual. 
But it's from Sam's. It's extra virgin olive oil. I'm sure pastor probably uses the exact same stuff. After I poured it in the little vial that looked real spiritual, I made my son cheese quesadillas. <laughs> quesadillas? <laughs> Anointing for Healy? <laughs> Here's my point. God doesn't need the oil. He just wants you to move. He's waiting on you. He wants to know if you're crazy enough to get before somebody, humble yourself, have somebody wipe some cheese quesadilla oil on your head so you'll be healed. you got to move. The reason you don't move is pride. The reason you don't move is because you're okay because he's about to pass you by. Through marriage, through church, through praise, through prayer. Can I give you one more? One more last one. Someone just plays quietly. I'll give you one more. And, and let me just say this real quick. If you haven't liked me yet, you're going to really hate me now. God's waiting on you to move in the tithe. Here, here's what the scripture says. The scripture says this. If you will tithe and you move in the 10th, which, by the way, I just want to give you the percentage breakdown here. If you earn $10, you give what is already God's, which is 10 already, but he's just asking for $1 back. That's 10%. If you're with me, nod your head. And if someone plays quietly, let me just say this. You do that, God flings over. He says as soon as you move in the tithe, he says he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing on you that you can't even imagine. In other words, when you move, God moves. God's waiting on you to move in the tithe. Matter of fact, Malachi 3 goes on to say this. When you tithe, here's what the scripture says. It says this. It says that he rebukes the devourer from your crops, from your bank account, from your tires, from your engine, in the issues of health, so forth and so on. God moves in your midst when you submit to him in the tithe. If In the tithe, here's the thing. The tithe is not generosity. The tithe is obedience. It's not even generosity. Generosity is 11, 12, 13. Matter of fact, I believe that when you get to the 11, 12, 13% in giving, that's when God determines how much even more comes out of the windows. It, they open up on the tithe. God's saying, test me in this. He's saying, you move, and God's going to move in the tithe. And I know what you're saying. It's like, well, the tithe's, uh, Shannon, it's Old Testament. Can I tell you what New Testament tithing is? It says this 16 different times in the scripture in the New Testament establishes says, sell everything you have and give it to the church. Who's with me on Old Testament 10%? <laughs> All you Bible scholars. Yeah, can I tell you something real quick? I'm just going to be honest because my heart is local church. That's my heart. Can I say something? If everyone in this room, I'm not even talking about any other services, in this room tithe, you'd have more money than this church could, could spend this room tithe I'm not saying give tithe if you make 40000 you you're committed to $4,000 and then over and above when you have an opportunity to invest in Framingham and, and different things over and above because God's blessing you when you get a $50 Starbucks gift card for your birthday you give five to the church and not only that God says this when you move I'm going to move on your wallet or He's going to pass you by. I don't want God to pass by my marriage. I don't want God to pass by my praise, my prayer, my church, my money. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you want God to move, 
and everyone, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you want God to move, if you know you need God to move in your life, a fresh touch, you want to see his presence like never before. We're not going to stand. We're not going to sing. But I want to ask you to do something radical today. Hop up out of your seat and come to the front right here and just move. Just as a moment, as a step of obedience, I'm moving toward God because I want him to do something supernatural. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. If you're looking, you need to be here. Don't check and see who moved. You move in faith. Say, God, I'm moving towards you because I want you to move toward me. And if you would, just come all the way in right here to the middle. Just come all the way in so we have plenty of room, and that's what I'm talking about. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We're moving, we're moving. We're moving in Jesus' name. Move, move, move. God says he's moving. When you move, step out in faith. Step out in believing for something super, and that's what I'm talking about. Husbands, take your wife. We're ready to see God do great stuff. Move all the way around here to the side. Just keep walking around. I know it's a little awkward We're because people are obeying. If you're in your seat, don't look around. Why are you looking in your seat? If you're in your seats because you got everything together, you should be praying. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Move, move, move. Watch God bless. Move. Get uncomfortable up here. Move around a little bit. Hallelujah. You're moving. God's moving. I believe it with all my heart. He's moving on marriages. He's moving in lives. He's moving on your resources. He's moving in the church. He's going to use you in a big way. If you believe that, look right here at me, those of you up front. Those of you up front, look right here. Are you ready to see God move in a huge way? That's why you move. Nod your head if you're with me. Would you do something radical for me right now? Would you just close your head, excuse me, close your eyes, bow your head, and here's what I want you to do. Just stretch your arm toward me. I'm nobody. I'm just representing who Christ is in this moment under the leadership of Jesus and your local shepherd and would you just stretch out and just say I want to receive this impartation of blessing Father, I pray for everyone who has their hand extended. I pray you'd move in their life. I pray, Jesus, that you would not pass them by. I pray that for those that are single, you would bless their future mate. I pray, God, for marriages to be revived like never before. I pray for praise in this house and in their house to be greater than ever before. Father, I pray that you would do a supernatural work in every way, seeing them healed and freed from darkness and depression and doubt and discouragement. I pray, God, that they would impact their community like never before that Ashland and Framingham and all the surrounding areas would be impacted because of them schools would be changed places of employment would be changed in Jesus name I pray and if you receive that put your hands together and celebrate it in Jesus name I believe it you believe it I believe it I believe it Get ready for the power of God to move in your life because you stepped out in faith in Jesus' name. And as you take your seats, I celebrate what God has done in your life and you make your way back to your seats. I turn it over to Chris to close as he sees fit. Can we applaud again and thank God for what he's done here?